Hello, this is Tara, and this is God Talk with Tara. Um, I am getting this going a little bit early tonight so that I can get some get into bed a little early because I've got an early morning tomorrow. So we're going to kick off with prayer, and then we're going to move into what God has kind of put on my heart today. Father, we thank you for all that you do, and I pray, Lord, that you would bless each person listening to this tonight, that you would bless the words that come from my mouth, Father, that they would be your words and not my words, that you would move in this space and make me small, Father God, and help Jesus to be magnified, help your your message to reach people who need to hear what you have to say. Father, I pray that you would move in the ears that are hearing this and give them understanding and wisdom and most especially, Father, your love and your peace tonight. Lord, I ask all of this in the name of Jesus and for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. So tonight, I kind of want to talk a little bit about age. <laughs> so I actually have, have been thinking about that a little bit. So all this that's been going on at Asbury, um, I ran across a, a friend today that had mentioned how discouraged she was about the hyper focus on Gen Z and all the young people under 25 and, and how she felt very rejected as everyone was celebrating over, um, over what's been going on amongst the college students. There is a, a strain in all of this that has a really hyper focus on that generation. Now I can understand that focus. So please don't hear me wrong. I know many of the people who have been working behind the scenes at Asbury. I know their hearts. I know why there's the focus on Gen Z. I know why there is the focus on the college students because it is of course a college and that is where it began. And they are the ones that, you know, were present when this started. So it is not a wrong thing for the leadership at Asbury to be focused on that generation. And it is not a wrong thing for those who have been given a mission and a heart for that generation to have their focus in that space. Um, but too frequently, the, the message of look what God is doing in this generation. And we are going to lift up this generation because God is equipping them as the next generation that is coming out. Um, and because they are under severe attack and spiritual warfare, it, it comes across when it gets two or three people out from the original source as it's all about the young people and the old people should sit down and step aside because their time is done. And that is the, the message that frequently is, is hitting people's hearts, even though that's not necessarily the message that is being sent. And I think that that is actually a side effect of our cultural obsession with youth in the Western church. So it strikes me, as frustrating when we get over-focused on youth as well. And there's a reason for that. So in, in the Western church, we do church by, um, by age group in most churches. So in most modern churches in the West, um, mainline, I should say, in most mainline churches and most evangelical churches for that matter, the way we do churches in the West is we have 
a service and in the service, the adults stay in the service and all of the children go to children's church at some point. They may go to children's church from the very beginning um, before they, they may never even make it into the sanctuary. They just go to their own little space. Um, or they may come into the sanctuary first and be released at some point to children's church where they go do and they, they go and do fun things that hopefully teach them about God. I've, I've seen many different children's churches. Some of them are phenomenally good and some of them are little more than babysitting. And it, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is the children are separated from their parents um, and sent off to a different area to have a different experience of church. And then you have, as they get older, you have youth group, which depends again on the church you're in. So in some churches, the youth group will also split off during service and go have a youth service. They might come and, and be part of the main service for the music and then leave for the message or for whatever it is they're going to do. Um, or they may be, they may just have a separate area that they go to for their youth service. And they have youth activities that are focused on the youth and, and they don't really participate in the adult activities so much. And then you have the adults. Um, and for the most part, most churches, unless you're a fairly large church, lump all of the adults together. So once you get out of youth group and you've turned 18 and you're out of high school, you're an adult and you are sort of lumped in with everybody from the other possibly young adults that are in the space to the 90 year old that is um, coming in with their walker. Now, that is not anything against the 90 year olds or against the other youth or any of those age groups. Um, the problem with this is it's not biblical. And what it has led to is a massive gap from the moment that the youth stop being youth into the age of adulthood. And so when kids hit 19, 20 years old, the time of their life where they're actually beginning to make really important decisions that are going to affect the rest of their lives, they are suddenly without the support of the body of Christ. Because up until this point, they have been venerated and practically idolized because they're youth and everyone is so excited at the youth. They're the next generation. They're the hope for the future. And we're so excited. And so we make church very fun and engaging and we, we lift them up and put them up as, as, you know, the most prized and important thing in the church. And then they turn 18 or 19 years old and they're no longer as valued in their felt, in the way they're, they're feeling um, the community of Christ around them. And then on top of that, oftentimes at this point in time, they move out of their parents' houses, they move off to college. Um, so they're also uprooted from the body of Christ and separated from the people who have loved them during that time of, of youth. And so they are left oftentimes with a very shallow faith that is not well grounded in the scripture. Um, or if it is grounded in the scripture, there's been no connection of how that scripture should inform their decision-making process as they move from this youth space into adulthood. Now, this is a somewhat recent phenomenon. 
because a hundred years ago, adolescence was not a category of, of aging. You were a child or you were an adult and there was not this stretch of time that has grown longer and longer and longer in between. Um, so frequently by the age of 14 or 15 or 16, you were considered a relatively responsible person um, in many cultures, including ours um, back 100 plus years ago. You could get married at that point in time. You could own land at that point in time. You could certainly have a job at that point in time. Um, and you were expected to make mature adult decisions at that point in time. Um, you didn't necessarily have to leave your parents' house, but by the time you hit probably 19 or 20 years old, you might be looking at being considered a spinster if you were a girl, um, because you weren't yet married. It is not, um, historically normal for people to wait until they're 18 or 19 years of age to take on adult responsibility and to have an adult understanding of themselves. So we have, we have inserted this category of youth into the flow uh, of maturing as people. And we have, over the last couple of decades, extended that. So it used to be you might be a youth from the time you turned eh, maybe 13 or 14 um, until you turned 18, at which point you were considered an adult and you were expected to be able to make adult decisions with responsibility and maturity. Um, but then that started stretching into now we have 26 year olds that are on their parents' medical insurance. Now, financially speaking, I understand why they would want that. Um, but the idea behind that is that they're not yet responsible adults, that they're not yet capable adults taking care of themselves. Um, and I don't want to get too much more into, into that, um, except to say that as a culture, we have venerated adolescence and we have venerated young adulthood and we have elevated that status that is arbitrary because it's only age, um, and we have so celebrated the people within that age group that when they get out of that age group, it is a huge letdown and they are suddenly falling and failing. Um, so there is a reason for caution with elevating the whole youth and young adult group um, and, and putting the pressure of something like a global revival on them. Now, I believe that the Lord is speaking to this upcoming generation. Please don't get me wrong and don't hear that wrong. And I believe that they desperately need to hear from God. I believe that the Lord needs to come to them to, to repair all of the damage of the attitude that I just described that is so prevalent in the church, uh, that they need to know that it wasn't their age that made them valuable to God. And it wasn't their age that made them valuable to the, the church. And that just because they grow up into mature adults doesn't suddenly make them less valuable in the eyes of God or less valuable in the eyes of the church. Um, it's important for them to hear from God because they are 
right now, the ones with, I, I will tell you, a 20 year old's got a lot more energy than I do. They have a lot more hip flexibility than I do. They can sit on the floor with the babies a lot easier than I can. Um, we need all of the generations. And that's where I kind of want to go with this. Because there's another problem with this idea that we want to reach the youth and the young people and we need to be reaching Gen Z and we need to be reaching millennials. Um, I don't disagree that we need to reach them, but we need to have a holistic understanding of we need to reach people, all of them. And, and I I'm not normally one to generalize. I, I understand the reasons for specificity and I understand the need for specificity and mission sometimes. Um, but I want to explain the why. So if we want to reach Generation Alpha, which is the next ones, the ones being born and just born, um, and we want to reach them, we actually really desperately do need to reach Gen Z right now and the younger millennials, because those are the people who are becoming parents. And it is parents that the Lord has given the weighty responsibility of transmitting his word and his values and his love and his grace to children. That's why God puts children in families is that parents have been given the awesome gift and responsibility of communicating God to their children. Um, and so if you don't teach them who God is as parents, they can't transmit that on to their children. But one of the problems, because we are coming out of several generations of brokenness in the U.S. church and in the Western church, one of the problems with reaching millennials and Gen Z is that oftentimes they don't have parents who are believers. In other words, their parents are non-believers. So one of the one of the things about apologetics, I mentioned I'm studying apologetics, one of the purposes for apologetics is to help overcome barriers that people have to believing. And one of the saddest and most difficult to overcome barriers that I have ever heard from someone was somebody in that um, in that age group of millennial who cannot countenance the idea of God and Jesus and heaven because her mother died a non-believer. And so she believes that if there is something after death, um, then she doesn't want to be where her mother is not. And so she struggles with the idea of, of Christianity and rejects the notion of a God who would require her to follow him and require her to be someplace her mother is not. Now, the truth that, that I have to say is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the only way to the Father, that you, you don't come to the Father except through him. Um, do I know that her mother is not in heaven? No, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't know all of what happens after we die. And that's the problem, is I don't know. 
I don't have a hope to offer her. I could tell her that if, you know, if somebody she loves dearly does follow Christ and does know Jesus and, and he is their Lord and Savior and they have entered into um, that relationship with him, that they will go to heaven. But I can't really tell her a hopeful thing about somebody else she loves that she knows that wasn't the case for. The likelihood is in, in our understanding of, of traditionally what we understand about Christianity is that she would not be in heaven because she rejected God. Is there an opportunity afterwards? Is something like purgatory real? I don't know. Um, I'm not Catholic. I don't believe in purgatory and I don't want to have that conversation because realistically, I haven't studied the doctrine enough to know where that comes from or what's in scripture that might support it. Do I believe that there's maybe more than we understand at play? Yes, I do. Um, because I believe God is just and I believe he is righteous and I believe he has love and I believe he wants none to perish. And I believe that there are billions of people in the world that um, over the course of history have not heard the name Jesus Christ. So I believe there may be something that I don't understand in the scripture um, that might give hope to those who have not heard or who love someone who had not believed. But I don't know that and I can't offer people an untruth, right? So what does that have to do with, with our, our conversation tonight? Um, I would posit that in order to serve Gen Z and Gen Alpha and the millennials well, the young adults out there, in order to serve them well, we actually really, really need to be reaching their parents. We need to be reaching their grandparents. We need to be reaching their great-grandparents. We need to be reaching the generations ahead of them because for the generations ahead of them to be walking without God is a hindrance to them in their belief. And quite frankly, as I said, we're in a state where several generations of people in the Western world have been falling away from Christianity. They've been falling away from faith. They have a nominal understanding of what Christianity is, and it is not a saving faith that they walk in. Um, it is a, a, what I've heard described as a near God trap. Now I'm talking off the cuff here. Um, but I want to explain why I believe these relationships are so important and why these older generations are so important for the well-being and the growth of these younger generations. So as I was pondering this earlier today because of that conversation, some things came to mind in scripture. So the first one I want to go to is in Genesis 12. Now in Genesis 12, um, we have God coming to Abram and he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So that's where I'm going to stop there. So Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And at that point in time, he had no children. Now, when God finally fulfilled his promise and gave him Isaac, he had already had Ishmael, but when he gave him Isaac, Abram was a hundred years old. He was not a spring chicken. Now, I do believe Abram was one of the, the last of the somewhat longer lived. I, I want to say he was like 200 when he died. So he was still only middle aged, I guess, at this point in time. Um, but the fact of the matter is he was not what we would call a young adult when God called him into service. So the father of Israel, the 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 first father of the Israelites um, that God called out of the rest of the world and set apart for himself as a people was 75 years old when God called him and 100 years old when God fulfilled the promise that, that started that all off with Isaac. So that's the first one. Um, now, after Abram, we kind of fast forward a little bit and and we come to Moses. Now, in Genesis, there's not a lot about Moses's um, age as far as when he was doing what. But in Acts, we have an account when Stephen is talking to the high priest where he, he speaks about um Abram and or about Moses well he does speak about Abraham too but where he speaks about Moses and it says at this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight and he was brought up for three months in his father's house and when he was exposed Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was mighty in his words and deeds and when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them. Um, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to, the, to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. Now, we know that the next thing that happens here is that Moses is sent back to Egypt to lead his people out. At this point in time, Moses is 80 years old. So when Moses began the deliverance of the Israelites, he's 80 years old. And they leave, and for 40 years they wander in the desert before Moses finally dies. Um, so again, we have the leader of the people of Israel 
is not a young man. Moses' chosen, or God's chosen person in Moses to lead his people out was not a youth or a young adult. He was instead an old man who had had much experience under his belt. Now, we can, we can kind of fast forward a little bit more too and we go, obviously Jesus was only 30 when he became a leader of his people and, and led his people out of um, bondage to slavery and to sin or the slavery of sin. Um, and we know that Mark was a very young man and John was a relatively young man. They were probably late teens. But we also know that Luke, who followed Paul and, and wrote the gospel and wrote the book of Acts, was likely not a young man. He was extremely well educated and he was um, extremely practiced in very meticulous research and, and record keeping and was considered a doctor. And so we know that he was likely not a young man. Lastly, I do want to look at someone who was a young man, who is frequently pointed to um, as an example for the youth and for the young adults. So Paul's um, protege, Timothy, was young when he began following Paul. When he went with Paul, he was a relatively young man. Um, and this was a problem for him. We know because at one point when Paul was writing to him, he had he had told Timothy not to allow people to use his youth against him to, to cause, cause him struggles and troubles. And Timothy was, from everything we know in the Bible, a very capable gifted leader of God's people and of God's churches in the places that Paul sent him to um, and in the places where he was organizing the church. So it is not a bad thing to be a youth or a young adult who is in a position of leadership either. We have God uses Timothy for this. I believe Jeremiah was very young when he came to, um, to be a prophet. Um, Samuel was very young the first time God came to speak to him when he was uh, living with Eli. So God uses young people, Esther would be another one, God uses young people quite frequently in scripture. And that is, you know, you look at David when he came against Goliath was probably in his teens. Um, so there's a, a long record of the Lord inviting young adults and youth to come into leadership and to come into ministry. But typically speaking, there's also a very long history of him using old people for those purposes and everything in between. And one of the things that we see in Timothy that is so beautiful and so important to what God has really been saying to me about this issue of age is in the beginning of the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy in chapter one, it says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. 
For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So Timothy had been shaped by the faith of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Currently speaking, well, I, I'm going to go back one more too. Um, before I, I kind of close with the thought that's in my head. In Deuteronomy, it says to teach your children the law of the Lord. It says to talk about that in the comings and the goings, to write his word on your doorposts and, and to talk about it in the way of walking along the way and, and eating and sitting down and getting up. And pretty much the way that that is written indicates that we should be teaching children who God is from the time they are very small through all of the things that we do all day, every day throughout our lives. Our lives should be a demonstration and a lesson in who the Lord is. Um, if we don't reach the older generations, they can't do that for the younger generations. And for as long as I have been in ministry, which is probably running up on 15 years now that I've been working in and around churches doing various things, one of the most common things I hear is that we have to have a good children's program and we have to have a good young youth program. Um, because if you have a good youth program and you have a good children's program, you might be able to get the parents to come to church because the kids will be so excited about the program and they will want to come. So their enthusiasm will make their parents come that, that they will be so excited. They'll manipulate their parents in, into coming to church. Um, and this is a strategy churches use to reach families in their communities is by drawing children into good children's programs in the hopes that they will then bring their parents into the church. And I have to say that this is really backwards and it's a part of why we have the crisis in our children's programs and our young adult programs and our youth programs is because number one, there's not a focus on the young adults typically in our churches. There's no bridge to help them move from youth into full-blown adulthood. There's no mentoring. There's no um, small groups that connect them together with people who are a little older than them or a lot older than them or a mix of people who that they can look to as models and that they can look to as people who love them and will carry them and, and walk them through this. In other words, they don't have somebody who has a faith that dwelt first in those who were older that is transmitting down to them. And a lot of that is because we put so much focus into our children's programs and our youth programs that we completely, completely miss building strong adult Christians and mature adult Christians to teach their children at home and to help them to grow in faith on a daily, all the time basis. And just because those children have now become young adults does not mean that they do not need their parents to be able to be good examples for them. We need ministry 
that reaches holistically into our communities and doesn't segregate people by ages. We need ministry that connects the older and younger generations together. We need intergenerational ministries that help people to understand themselves as all part of the body of Christ and that each of them has a part to play in encouraging and exhorting and supporting and helping move all of the other parts together. That is what it is to be the body of Christ. And it doesn't really matter what age you are. It was the one thing when I was thinking about this, age is a function of time. And I get the very strong sense that there is not time in heaven in the way we understand time. When it says that, you know, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day, and we talk about God being from the beginning and the end and the in-between. He is the one who is and was and is to come. Uh, I don't think heaven has time the same way we, we have time. I don't think that a small child who dies and goes to heaven is going to be a small child when he gets there. I don't think a really old person who dies and gets to heaven is going to be really old when they get there. I think that God created us in his image and that when we are perfected and glorified, we will be the perfect image of God that he created us uniquely to be. And that age will be kind of irrelevant. So I think maybe we need to start teaching each other how to love Jesus and be loved by Jesus. And of course, we have to accommodate where people's um, cognitive abilities are to some degree. But we need to stop focusing on segregating people by age and we need to start inviting them into relationship with the body of Christ. We need to start helping them to see themselves as a vital and important part of the body of Christ, regardless of their age. Um, because until you're dead, you have a reason to be here. God has planned for your purposes to be, be fulfilled here. Um, and if we are so focused on, on the young, we will burden them. We'll burden them with all of our hopes instead of keeping our hope in Christ. And we will crush them with the weight of our expectations. Instead of guiding them with the example of our faith. So I pray that something in all of that will lead us into a more holistic understanding of intergenerational ministry, of intergenerational churches, of of loving each other well in all of our ages and spaces. Father, we thank you for all that you do. I pray for all of these young people, the little babies right on up to the 20-somethings and the 30s and all of the young people. Father, I do pray that they would know your special gift to them right now, the gift of peace that you are pouring out in a generation that is overwhelmed with anxiety, the gift of joy in a generation that is overwhelmed with depression. I do pray, Lord God, that you would move strongly 
in that generation with your grace and with your mercy that is specifically meant to meet their challenges, the challenges of today that they struggle with so much more um, than the generations ahead of them. But Lord God, I pray that you will pour out on all of the generations ahead of them as well that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that you would bring transformation in our lives so that we would better mentor those coming behind us and so that they would see what it looks like to be a mature, grown adult in the faith and that we would all, Father God, be encouraging and exhorting each other to be mature in the faith, to grow up in the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ and grow up into his headship so that we all work well together. Lord, I pray that your outpouring will continue and go on and on, and that the fruit of that, Lord God, would be an awakened people who will go out and preach the hope of Christ to all the people that they see, young, old, and in between. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.